0: We read in verse 37 of Hebrews 10, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the proving of the unseen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Abraham offered up his son Isaac, believing he'd receive him again from the dead. Sarah believed the word of God and she had a boy when she was past age. They believed that what God had promised he was able also to perform. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he's God, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, the first thing that faith says is that God is accessible.
1: Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell. I'm after your hearts, not your heads, is a refrain often heard by college students in Dr. Mitchell's Bible classes. In his own words, his goal was to help you fall in love with the Savior, and his teachings always tended to fill your mind with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was also a pioneer radio speaker. In his day, there were no tape recorders, so he and his organist had to be at the station five evenings a week. He was heard live every weekday on radio stations in the Northwest. The Unchanging Word is an independent Bible study and not affiliated with either Central Bible Church or Multnomah University, but by the grace of God we can still benefit from the ministry and teaching of Dr. John G. Mitchell. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His
2: grace came with me too.
3: The Life of Faith is our current series here on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. This study begins to focus on Abraham as the main example of one who believed God, and he was called the friend of God. Dr. Mitchell refers to this passage in the Gospel of John where Jesus said to his disciples, No longer do I call you servants. But I have called you friends, because all things I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. John chapter 15, verse 15. Faith in Christ provides for this intimate relationship of receiving from Christ what his Father has revealed about him. This is fellowship with God. This is the life of faith. Is this your life? Do you have this kind of fellowship with God? With your Bible open, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11 with Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast.
0: Thank you. Again, we start our and continue our studies on the life of faith. You remember Hebrews chapter 10, 37 declares, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. What shall we do while we wait the coming of the Lord? We shall live the life of faith. And that means a life of walking in fellowship with God in the midst of any and all circumstances, in any age, at any time. And God did not give us faith to transform the world, but to walk with him. And again, may I suggest that the, there are so many of God's people who have a distorted idea as to the life of faith. The life of faith is, putting it very simply, a life of faith is walking in fellowship with God, irrespective of your circumstances. So it's possible for any believer, whatever their condition may be, whatever their circumstances may be, they can live the life of faith, the life of fellowship with God. This is a pattern of life. And we said that faith has three things. Faith says God is accessible, God will keep his word, and people endure because they see the invisible God. We had that in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse six, verse eleven, and verse twenty-seven. Now, nothing delights the heart of God more than that people trust Him. That sounds too simple, doesn't it? No, it isn't. I repeat it: there is nothing that delights the heart of God more and to have his people not only trust him for salvation, but trust him every day, every minute of the day. For he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. And it's a wonderful thing. And in these next few lessons, I would like to take the man who was called the father of those who believe and look at his life and see the pattern of the life of faith Because Abraham is given to us as the illustration of faith. You remember in Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 to 7, those who are of faith are the children of Abraham. You take in Luke chapter 19, verse 9. The Lord Jesus in verse 9 said to Zacchaeus, This day is salvation come to this house because he's a child of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. In John chapter 8, you remember in that amazing chapter where the Jews kind of piled up against the Lord and they said to Jesus, Why, God is our Father. He said, If God were your Father, you'd believe me. They said, We'd be Abraham's children. We'd be the seed of Abraham. Who do you think we are? We're not pagans. We're not Gentiles. We're the seed of Abraham. Abraham's our father. Jesus' answer was this, I know you are the seed of Abraham, but if you were the children of Abraham, you'd believe me. Then he goes on to say, you are of your father, the devil. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning, and his works you do. But the thought was, they were saying, Abraham is our father. We are the seed of Abraham. Yes. Jesus said, you are. By natural birth, you are the seed of Abraham. But if you were the children of Abraham. Now remember that Abraham had eight sons, but only one was a child of faith. You say, eight sons? Why, of course. Ishmael was a child of Abraham, son of Abraham. Isaac was a son of Abraham. And then after, after Sarah died, Abram married Keturah, and he had six sons through Keturah. But who was a son of faith? Isaac. So I could say, for example, that these seven sons of Abraham were the seed of Abraham. Ishmaelites claim today, the Arabs today claim that Abraham was their father. But suddenly, they're not the children of Abraham the way the Lord spoke of it, or with Paul wrote of concerning it. Children of Abraham and child of Abraham is the man who saved by faith. He's called the father of those who believe. For example, in the book of Nehemiah, let me just say a word about Abraham for a few moments. You take in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 8, we find that Abraham was found faithful in his heart. Now only God knows what's in the heart, but Abraham was faithful in his heart. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 5, and chapter 18, verse 19, where God speaks, With respect to Abraham because Abraham would be obedient to the voice of God how was his faith manifested by obedience in 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 verse 7 he's called the friend of God in fact I'd ask you the question does God need a friend (laughs) of course not yes he does yes he does You mean God needs a friend? Well, shall I put it the other way? God wants friends. He wants friendship. Our Lord could say in John 15, 15 to his disciples, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Why? Because all things I've heard of my Father, I've made known unto you. Do You mean to tell me that God wants my friendship? He certainly does if you're his child. The, The great thing God wants of you and me is to trust him. Not just for salvation, not just to get to heaven, not just to receive eternal life. He wants us to live the life of faith. A life, shall I say, a life of friendship with God? Which speaks, of course, of fellowship. And three times in the Bible, this man, Abraham, was called the friend of God. Just as Moses, for example, is called the servant of God. Moses, my servant. David, my king. But when it comes to Abram, my friend, this is when Jehoshaphat, that story in 2 Chronicles 20, by the way, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, with a little wee tribe, a little wee army, is being surrounded by the great armies of uh, of his fleshly relations, the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Edomites. These are all descendants of the fleshly relationship to Abram. The Ammonites and the Moabites were the descendants of Lot. The Edomites were the descendants of Esau. They were all together, had gotten together to blot Israel out, blot especially Judah out, for Jehoshaphat was king of Judah. And Judah stood before God and he prayed and he reminded God that their father Abraham was the friend of God. And I read he stood before God with his little ones and with his wives. And God, of course, answered. But he pleaded on the ground that his father Abraham was the friend of God, the living God. You take it in the book of Isaiah chapter 51. Uh, I chose your father Abraham when he was just one, when he was alone. Nobody else. I called your father Abraham when he was just one. And he goes on to speak of the fact that Abraham, my friend, look unto Abraham, your father, and unto Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone and blessed him, and increased him. And he goes on to speak of the fact that that Abraham was his friend. Israel, my servant, but Abram, my friend. I kind of like that. And you know, God is looking for friends today, people with whom he can have wonderful, intimate fellowship. And then we have it again in James, James chapter 2, James chapter 2, verse 23, Abraham believed God, and he was called the friend of God. An amazing thing, isn't it, that God should look upon a man and say, he's my friend. Can he say that to you today? Can he say that to you today? Indeed, when God looked for a family through whom his son should come, who do you think he called? Called Abram. He called Abram, who was his friend. And when I think of the fact that the Jews venerate him as their father, the Muslims believe him to be their father, we believers call him. Abraham, our father. A tremendous character when you begin to think about it. And what made him as he was? Friend of God. It's what you have in Isaiah 41. I was quoting a while ago Thou, Israel, art my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. I'm going to be bold enough to say this to you, whoever you are. Do you know that God wants you to have that blessed, intimate fellowship with Him? Where you can really say that God talks to you face to face as a man talks to a friend. This is beyond all human comprehension. And yet, friend, this is the life of faith. A life of intimacy. A life of walking with God. And I repeat it, not necessarily a spectacular life, that is, of getting great things from God. That may be included. But don't shut any believer out from having the joy of living the life of faith, a life of fellowship with God. Now, this man Abram, let me continue with Abram. You know where he was born? He was born in Ur of the Chaldees. He was born in the midst of idolatry. I take it that Abram was an idolater in Ur of the Chaldees. You find that in Joshua chapter 24, verses 2 to 3 and verses 14 to 15, where Joshua says, Our forefathers were idolaters in Ur of the Chaldees. And I believe personally, now I'm not going to be dogmatic on this, but I believe personally that this man Abram was so sick of the idolatry around him, so sick of the corruption, that he longed for the reality of a living God. It may be, it may be he saw God in creation and wanted to worship the God of creation. But you know what happened? In the book of Acts chapter 7, the second verse I read, And the God of glory appeared unto our father Abram when he was in Ur of the Chaldees, when he was down there mixed with idolaters and moral corruption. God said, get out. And he got out. If you want to know what condition they were in, I would suggest you study the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 21 to 32. For I read that man first of all knew God, then he glorified him not as God. He became unthankful. He became vain in his imaginations. His foolish heart was darkened. And Professing to be wise, he became a fool. And he changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image, like the man, and to birds, and to quadrupeds, and creeping things. And God gave man up to uncleanness. And then because man changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature, and said to the Creator, God gave them over to vile affections. And then because man refused to have God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Now listen, Abram was living at that time. Man was living, given up to uncleanness, given up to vile affections. And if you read the passage full of perversion, sexual perversion and corruption, and God gave them over to a reprobate mind, and God let the nations go their own way. He just gave them up. It's a positive act of God. He gave men up. And he took this man, Abram, and said, get out. And I read that Abram went out, not knowing whither he went. He just got out. He obeyed God. And, you know, a step at a time is good walking. And Abram took the step, and when he took that first step, God had the second step waiting for him. Amazing thing. Yeah. So this was, his, this was his, the conditions in Ur of the Chaldees, his background of idolatry, born in a generation that had no place or time for God. And as we said in Isaiah 51, I called your father Abraham when he was alone. And believe me, when a God of glory speaks, it's time to move. It was a definite call, and Abram gave a definite answer. He got out. He obeyed, and he went out, as Hebrews eleven eight says. He went out, not knowing whether he went. Now then, as the father of all those who believe, he must be tested. Indeed, I would say to you, my friend, that faith must be tested. How do you know you have got faith? It's got to be tested. Peter speaks of that in First Peter chapter one, verses six to seven, when he said that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with the fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. Find it also in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There hath no temptation overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tested beyond that. You are able, but will with the temptation open a way of escape. Or you might take it in Romans 5, verses 3-5. to where the apostle in writing that chapter says that faith is never destroyed by tests. For Paul says, we glory in tribulation. He did not say we growl in tribulation, but we glory in tribulation. Why? Because tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, by the Holy Spirit given unto us. The tests of life do not destroy faith, but it purifies faith. My friend, if you are trusting the Savior and you believe certain doctrines, you believe the Bible, don't be surprised if you're tested on the very thing you claim to believe. We must be tested to get the dross out. And may I suggest this, the Lord will never test you beyond that which you're able to bear. Your tests are not for the purpose of destroying faith, but of purifying faith, of strengthening your faith. May I repeat that? All the tests of life through which you and I may go, some are hard, some are not so hard. Some are very subtle. But whatever tests of life you go through are not given for The purpose of destroying faith, but rather for the strengthening of faith, that you and I might live to the praise and to the glory of God. So if you're going through any test right now, any trial, remember, God is with you in the test and he will deliver you through the test. I think sometime of that uh, incident in the book of Daniel chapter 2. You remember when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and I, should, I shouldn't I should give you those pagan names. Anyhow uh, Nebuchadnezzar said to them when you, when the blowing of the trumpet you fall down and worship the image I have made or you'll be thrown into the fire. And they said know this O king our God is able to deliver us and if he doesn't deliver us we're not going to bow to your image. And you remember that made Nebuchadnezzar so mad he, he made the furnace seven times hotter. In fact, those who were tending to the furnace were killed because of the heat. And they threw these three fellows in. Why didn't God deliver them? Wasn't he the living God? Didn't they say to Nebuchadnezzar, Our God is able to deliver us? And behold, they picked them up and threw them in. Ah, but what happened? Nebuchadnezzar said, Did we not cast three in? And behold, there's a fourth one, like unto the Son of God. The Lord was with them in the fire, and the Lord brought them through the fire, and there was not even the smell of the fire on their garments. The Lord hasn't promised to deliver you from the test. He has promised to be with you in the test, and will bring you through the test to the praise of the glory of his grace. Now the Lord bless you for his name's sake.
2: It is well with my soul.
1: Thank you for listening to The Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Our teacher has been Dr. John G. Mitchell. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. That's The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast.
0: Life begins at